When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I'm joined by the one human being that needs no introduction on this podcast anymore. I don't think I have any more kind things I could possibly say about him. Hi, I'm, hi, <laughs> hi, I'm, I'm Allison's cousin. Uh, no, imagine uh, if we were related. Oh, God. That oh would God. be so weird. That would be, no. that would be a lot. Like I feel like I really just say so many nice things at the beginning of every episode. It's like, I'm running out of things. I mean, you're, you're great, but it's like, how many things Thanks. can I say I, to describe you? I understand. I understand the feeling. I think Caroline has a hard time with it as well. She's, you know, when you're married to someone who's this, you know, magnanimous, this incredible, you, mm. you really have a hard time. She says that magnanimous isn't the right word, but um, <laughs> is, the, is that when you're married to someone this incredible and people are constantly praising you, it's like, how do you deal with that? Caroline, yeah. how do you, how do you deal with that? She does this poorly. She deals with it poorly. Do you so. know how many, like, I literally have people message me all the time and be like, episodes with Ryan are my favorite. I got two last week. Two people text me and were like, your episodes with Ryan are my favorite. And I was like, that, great, thanks. I'm not going to tell him because he'll get too, his head gets too big. I can't do it. Whoever you are, thank you so much. You yes, are just they know wonderful. They are. Whoever you are, whatever your name is, I'm not going to let Allison tell me who you are, but listen, you're, <laughs> you're my favorite too. And uh, I just want you to know that I think that uh, you're fantastic and I appreciate your your support of me on the podcast. I'm very happy and excited to come on whenever I can. Although I do, I do test Allison's patience with my uh, in, in incredible requests for time. So um, yeah, that's only lately, really. We used to go really the last long, two, and, the then, last and two. then you've gotten busy. But if you think about it, the podcast started knee deep in COVID. Yeah. So yeah. we we had nothing but time on our hands. Right. The world has certainly gotten much more um, hectic in the last year, sure. last twelve months. I mean, my life alone has just gotten you know, incredible. Like I could plan out a, a like a, a three weeks from now with you or back, you know, a year ago and say, Oh yeah, three weeks from now, for sure. I can do a whole podcast and we would go for like two hours. And now it's like, I got to check my schedule and I double book myself. And I like, and you're up- like we have, uh, we have soup night. Uh, we have French films to watch. We have yes. too much to do. You well, we don't to matter go, you know, to gotta, me anymore. We, like that what? is just not the case at all. That's also, how it you feels. know, you've gotten you've gotten so big now. What? Tell me mm. a little bit about this. Have you told your audience about your your connection, your your new your new deal? Yes, yes, they know. I announced it either last week or the week before that I am okay. now on a network, which is so yeah, exciting. That's exciting. Huge big step. Big um, step. I being did on not, network expect to happen so quickly so i was very excited i mean i say quickly it's been a couple years two years i mean it's been two years so you know i know i think it's i think it's quite frankly it's overdue i think it's overdue (laughs) you there you go so kind Um, yes well i'm excited for you that's wonderful that's uh it's it's really is cool to see the progression it's cool to be here and it's cool to be a part of the story even just a little bit and so um oh you're a lot of it i wonder how what the percentage of episodes you've been on Probably 25 uh, Not 25%. It's certainly not 25 We record an episode More once every like two months, I say. I want to say. Like, I think like you and I get together like once every eight weeks. And so, like, by the probably, way, speaking of that. Yeah. Yes. 
I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. We're coming, we're coming we're close. We're coming up. Jeffrey keeps episode. getting super hype about it. And what, what episode are you on? What's this one going to be? This is ninety-one, which 91. means we All have right. nine weeks. Nine left weeks. Nine weeks. Okay. Before we. So that have would get us to like the first week of August. Wow, Something that's like a very that. hectic time. We may have to pre-record. <laughs> we might have to pre-record, and also the last two weeks of July are my birthday, and we've got several things actually. We might just be in Nashville. That would be ideal. Okay, so this would. Hey, everyone, we're getting. You're hearing the the plans being you made are. because we're there's a concert at the Ryman the weekend of the last weekend of July, and we've been debating back and forth of whether we're going to go, and we're probably going to go. Um, it's Turnpike Troubadours at the Ryman. If you didn't know, um, if you I didn't have know, no idea who that is. Fantastic band, incredible band, but uh, they're playing at the Ryman for like two nights only, and we've been talking about going. So. That's the Maybe time. Maybe that's and the also, time. And also, I'm headed to Europe in early August. So look at you. Yeah. So I'm and not for this be... or just for oh, just for to go with no, Jeff somewhere. It, Jeffrey's working, so and I mm. get to go. So yeah, hell yeah, it'll be great. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk more about that. But audience, be prepared because we're gonna have one hell of a night. It's gonna. I think we're gonna have you. a live element. We should we're have just, a live element. Yeah, we'll just have to figure it out. I think so. I, think I need to have it out. on a, a slight delay, so when you start to say something really stupid, I can just like. <laughs> no, you it. know, I think your audience. I think, listen, audience members, message Allison this week and let her know how much you want full, unabridged, uncensored Ryan Pryor. You know, it's gonna be hilarious. Is if I get none of those at all. You get none of those. Come on, yeah. people, don't let me down. Don't let me down. <laughs> I'll count them up. You go to Instagrams, go to the Grams, mm-hmm. get on your messages, and send her a message that says we want. RP just talking. And, and while uh, you're there, follow at Yeah, Kim while Beyonce. you're there. If you haven't followed her yet, how dare you? Yeah, honestly. How, how dare I'm and she can't offended. say this, but I'm gonna say it. How dare you? Yeah. So I feel like yeah. I can say that. How dare you? How dare you? Um if you don't have an Instagram, go get an Instagram. What are you yeah. doing? It's 2022. What are you it's doing? Time. The time is nigh. I did to be fair, just get an Instagram last year. But that's not don't, true. You yeah, had well, one, I had one to troll. Right, back in college, and then I got rid of it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, okay. Well, listen, let's, let's, enough about us and enough about the Instagram and enough about the 100th episode spectacular extravaganza. Let's talk about Robert McNamara. Before we start, are you drinking anything? I should, should I, I should be, are you drinking anything? I'm going to be, I, you know what? Hold on, everybody. Just give me one second. Can you play elevator music during this pause? I will. Okay. I'm back. Um, All right. What'd you and get? Tonight, tonight I'm having, um, this is, I call this my summer drink. So this is mm. um, a mixture of rosé and red wine um, with ice, oh. um, and so it makes a wonder. No, don't, 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 don't give me that look. That sounds don't like a raging look. headache. No, no, it's fantastic. You put a little water in there too, and here's here's why it's beautiful. Red wine is not a summer beverage, although it can be. It really can be. Red wine's an all the time beverage. There's never a bad time for red wine, and rosé is a summertime beverage. But the rosé does something to my stomach. So like rosé, like white wine is too acidic for me. And like red wine is the perfect amount of acidity, but I don't want to drink it in the summertime. Okay, you following me? I've got you. But 
in the summertime when you want something with the right mixture of things, something to get you going. Uh, uh, uh. You take some red wine, you take some rosé, you take some ice, you take some water, you mix that together in a glass, and all of a sudden you've got a wonderful fruity aromatic beverage that ha- that doesn't bloat you like beer because you know light beer is the drink of summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is, just un uncategorically like is the drink of summertime. Yes. But what happens when you drink too many light beers? You get, the, you. you get the bloat. You get, get a bloaty blood. stomach. Three, three light beers in and my stomach's all bloaty. I'm like, bubble Ugh. guts. Bubble yeah. guts. So this is the perfect beverage. You don't get the bubble guts. You get the nice, you know, fruitiness. You get a, a cold bev, cold bev. Win-win. Yeah. I've been lately really liking a good old Aperol spritz. But if you don't do... Oh, uh, Caroline, she just said she's been drinking Aperol spritzes. Ugh, what's kill wrong? me now. They're so good. Caroline loves Aperol spritzes. She They're loves so them. They're so good. I had my first one, uh, not to brag, but I had my first one on the train from Rome to Naples. Uh, I had my first one on the train. <laughs> it wasn't a can, but it wasn't very good, and I didn't like it. So um, Was that your yeah. only one you've tried? I had another one, but okay. I, Caroline really gets into it during the summertime. So I make a great spritz, but I am actually creating bubble guts as we speak with a nice old Bud Light. Mm, the drink of Nashville. I, I look, and I'm just going to let you guys know, I look like I would be drinking a Bud Light right now. Nashville, the Luke Bryan of cities. Ooh, um, no. Say I'm wrong. Say I'm wrong. You're wrong. No, I'm not. No. Hey, by the way, does your audience know that I hate Nashville? Did we talk yeah. about that before? Okay. I think we have. Cool. Just want to make sure everyone have. knows. Good. I love Nashville. I know you do. And I mean, I, and you I've, have, I've, I'm also a lifelonger. You so. and I have very few things we disagree on. Well, that's not true. We have a lot of things. I think we have just enough we disagree on. But that is one of the big ones is that we don't agree on the city of Nashville. That's true. But you know what that is? That is my opinion. Oh, there it is. That is my opinion. Yeah, right there. So let's try to insert all the sound bites. Yeah, we'll do them all. Let's talk about Robert McNamara. Let's do it. Um, And so Robert McNamara, uh, if you don't know, Robert McNamara was uh, John F. Kennedy's secretary of defense. He was also Lyndon B. Johnson's secretary of defense, um, obviously. You know, I mean, not obviously, but, but Lyndon B. Johnson decided to keep on Robert McNamara after Kennedy was assassinated, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Robert McNamara, as a prelude, prelude, uh, was born in San Francisco, California in 1916. Uh, his father had immigrated to the United States in 1850 during the Irish potato famine. So by the way, McNamara died in 2009. I don't know if like you're a history buff, so you, you like to think about these things. But like, isn't it so weird that like, if you like in 2009, when we were in high school, mm-hmm. we were only one generation removed from the Irish potato famine. Doesn't that seem weird to you? Yeah, that's super weird. Like you're learning about it in AP US history as like a piece of history that happened a long time ago. But like Robert McNamara was alive whenever we were in high school and his father was had immigrated to the United States in 1850. So we were only one generation removed from 1850 at that time. There's so many things that are weird to think about like that. Like the fact that Jacqueline Kennedy and yeah. Frank, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and yep. Jeffrey's grandfather were all born the same year. Exactly. Yeah. Like all those people seem like they were in such different time periods yep. to me. And it's not that's, that long ago. History that's is what, not yeah. that long ago. It's not. No, history History is not, is, has, we are not as far away from the things of the past as we think we are. Right. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about looking at history and especially this whole podcast is you start to realize that. And I think it's fantastic. Um, 
But yeah, he was an Eagle Scout. He studied at UC Berkeley, where he graduated in 1937 with a BA, a Bachelor of Arts in Economics. And then he got an MBA from, from Harvard. You may have heard of it. Hmm. Um, during the Second World War, he served as a captain in the USAAF, which is the US Army Air Force. Because if you didn't know, the United States Air Force wasn't its own branch of the military until after World War II. It was actually a branch of the United States Army during that time. Um, and in 1943, he mostly worked in statistical bomber analysis, which is, uh, that's about as deep as I'm willing to go on that because <laughs> I have no idea what it means. Um, sounds cool though. Yeah, it sounds cool. Statistical bomber analysis, you know, uh, he analyzed bombers. Um, so yeah. That might uh, be right. <laughs> Maybe. That probably wasn't even a correct description. <laughs> I like, I, like, I know a lot about the things that I know about. And then I know like, I know a little bit about everything else, but That's... just in, just enough to get me in trouble in a bar. Yeah. Like just enough. That Again, should be the, t- the long title of your biography. No, my long title of my biography is you study history so you don't look stupid at cocktail parties. Mm-hmm. Like that's like from our, I think it was, that was what, like your third episode that, or your I'd second like episode? Second. Yeah. Was, yes. Yeah, st- and we're going to be, by the way, making a lot of references to your past episodes here. So like, hey, Perf. if you haven't gone and listened to uh, the second episode of the podcast from way back in 2020. Uh, it's called You Study History So You Don't Look Stupid at Cocktail Parties. Fantastic app. Great app. Also, don't judge us because that was like truly yeah. our second podcast ever recording. Your first, my second. That was so big. That was, yeah, that was for sure. A little rough. So um, after World War II, a colonel named Tex Thornton, Tex Thornton, fantastic name, mm-hmm. under whom McNamara served, he basically brought together a group of statistical analysts from uh, with whom he had worked analysts statistical analysts with whom he had worked i was thinking that didn't sound right in the second world war and they were all got together to try to help solve a problem uh for the ford motor company uh basically back in like 1947 i want to say time magazine had written an article about how the ford needed to reform its models it was you know and this is weird by the way ford motor company at this time was probably the biggest one of the biggest companies in the world right like this is like they were on they had just you know, helped save the world from the Nazis because they had provided, you know, machinery for World War II. They were up until that point, like one of like five major car companies in the entire world. And basically the Model T, you know, 30 years earlier or 40 years earlier had been the, the, the car, right? Like yeah. the Ford company, like I know today we all, we all know Ford and it's a big company. But when you think of like major players, you think about Apple and Microsoft and Amazon, you don't think about Ford. At, in 1947, or whenever this was going on, Ford was it. I mean, Ford was the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, this group of individuals was hired on by Ford uh, to, uh, which of which McNamara was a part, to help innovate Ford's production uh, process and also innovate them. And it sounds funny, but like innovation in the early 1950s, like this was like at the time cutting edge stuff, but you yeah. know, this is commonplace now. Uh, they were called the whiz kids or the quiz kids or something like that. You know, something that would sound snappy and cool because they were all young. Yeah. Put that on and, a t-shirt. Yeah. The whiz kids. And uh, McNamara rose very quickly through the ranks um, and basically forced the company to undergo major changes uh, in uh, they added computers or what would be considered computers at the time, which would right now be considered like. I don't know, abacuses, uh, abacai, right? Abacai? Uh, systems. <laughs> You're asking the wrong girl. Systems, new systems, and also uh, new car models for the 20th century. By 1960, he became the first non-Ford to be the president of the company. 
um, which is pretty cool. That's huge. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. And he was also, of course, one of the youngest presidents in the company history of all time. So that's also, you know, interesting. Um, but when JFK was uh, was when he won the election in 1960, he didn't actually was not the first one to get offered the position of Secretary of Defense, from which we would know McNamara. So your your listeners who are interested in Kennedy history would know McNamara from him being um, the Secretary of Defense under John F. Kennedy. Um, he was, uh, he actually first offered the position to Robert A. Lovett and he declined and then rep, uh, recommended McNamara. And uh, I found this interesting and this isn't inflationary. So this is not based on inflation, which I know we're all knowing. We all know about inflation right now. Everyone's heard it a bazillion mm-hmm. times. And Lord, if you go to the grocery store, you're, under, you're experiencing the inflation. It's brutal. Um, these are not inflationary numbers. He made $25,000 a year as the Secretary of Defense in 1960, which was a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that was still a lot of money. But he took a pay cut from Ford of from $3 million to $25,000. So I just want to put this into perspective for you. $3 million in 1960. And that's without inflation. Yes. Holy shit. Normally when we talk about these numbers, we say, well, $3 million in today's money. Right. Whatever. (gasps) No. Three million dollars. Of course, in think about it, though, he was already kind of set. So he was like, "All right, I've made millions. Oh like, yeah, I'll be good to go." So maybe that's absolutely what he thought. No, it's it's incredible. Um, and so he took a giant pay cut. RFK was actually present during his uh, his interview for the position, and uh, he famously uh, told Kennedy that he didn't know anything about government, uh, and said, "Sort of, am I am I qualified for this for this position?" And JFK famously replied. Um, that they could actually learn together because he didn't know anything about being president. So, uh, you know, a little quip there. I think it's another interesting leap of faith. that is, well, I mean, the country gave a leap of faith on electing Kennedy as well. So, I mean, you know, again, remember Kennedy, who's, who's Kennedy running against? Richard Nixon, right? Richard Nixon mm-hmm. was the obvious better candidate for president, right? Because he had been vice president for eight years. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that they chose, that the nation chose Kennedy was a testament as much to Kennedy's mag, you know, like, raw animal magnetism as it was to the fact that people were willing to take a risk on him. Actually, interestingly enough, McNamara in the interview also questioned whether Kennedy had written Profiles in Courage, which, as we know, he did not. Um, I don't agree with that. It was so well that we can agree to disagree. No, Um, Ted Sorensen said that he did, that he wrote most of it and came out and said all that. If you listen to the Jacqueline Kennedy tapes, she explicitly says like over and over how frustrated she was about the fact that Ted did that to uh, JFK and put out that narrative. She saw him writing it while he was ill and whatnot. Ted Sorensen did contribute some, but not near what uh, JFK did. And then JFK goes on and to thank him for his contribution, gives him the money for the book, but he didn't write the whole thing at all. So it's very frustrating. Anyway. I may have touched a nerve. I didn't feel that way, but McNamara also felt that way. Um, he said uh, he said that he. I mean, apparently Kennedy said that he did, but McNamara didn't believe him. Um, you know, but hey, we'll we'll agree to disagree. You know more about it than I do. I don't know. Um, Maybe I'm wrong too, but I believe Jackie. I stand with Jackie. <laughs> you stand with Jackie. I do. Part of the deal, whenever McNamara was hired, was that McNamara would have full control over the Pentagon, and and this is going to be important later on. Um, Dear listeners, we had originally intended to do multiple part episode, including Robert McNamara and the Pentagon Papers, which are incredibly important. And we're going to talk about those later, um, but uh, we're not going to be able to get to it during this episode or this episode series. You're going to have to look forward to that sometime in the future. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so so but McNamara having full control over the Pentagon would play a crucial role, you know, some 
eight years later. McNamara is often regarded as the star of Kennedy's team. Uh, he he basically was sort of the centerpiece of what Kennedy considered to be his his like menagerie of advisors, individuals who he felt was he was very confident in. Um, and uh, McNamara was also I mean he was tough. He learned quickly and rejected radical changes that were supported by people who were who had been a part of the military for like at all. Because remember McNamara had only served as a captain in the Air Force. He wasn't a commander, or, you know, something like that, which mm-hmm. is very vastly different. Um, and and uh, he basically helped to institute like a lot of military policy that would define JFK's um, like tenure as a uh, as a president. Um, in fact, it, he helped really redefine the American military policy uh, from what was called massive retaliation. Uh, now, what like what like massive retaliation? was sort of the predominant military theory in the 1950s, right, under Eisenhower, where uh, Truman and Eisenhower, basically it was, if anybody uses nuclear weapons anywhere at any time, specifically the Russians, um, we will respond not just in kind, but we will respond with basically a world-ending salvo of nuclear missiles. McNamara and Kennedy sort of said, that's sort of an outdated approach. We need to approach this with a more, what's called a flexible response. And he felt that the U.S. needed other choices, um, basically something between inglorious retreat or unlimited retaliation. And that was this so-called flexible response that you're going to hear a lot about whenever you read books about Kennedy and his military policy. And again, Kennedy specifically placed an emphasis on McNamara's ability to improve uh, upon the United States' ability uh, to counter communist so-called wars of liberation. Now, these would be things like the war in Vietnam. This would be things uh, like the Cuban Revolution. Uh, You know, these kind of instances, which we, we sort of talk about, the proxy wars which is what they would become known as, right? And it's fascinating to talk about in the 21st century, specifically in 2022, because we're seeing a proxy war go on right now. Essentially, what's going on in Ukraine is a proxy war between NATO countries in the West, the United States being paramount of those, and Russia and Mm -hmm. their allies. There's no longer a Soviet Union. There's no longer a Warsaw Pact. But essentially, what we're looking at is Russia taking on the major Western military powers, and what they're doing is supplying, you know, weapons to the people of Ukraine. Uh, you know, and, and, re- and in response, the Ukrainians are are basically fighting the Russians. But this is just another proxy war, essentially. It's the same as Afghanistan in the 1980s, and the same as Vietnam in the 1960s, and the same as Cuba in the 1950s. You know, ad, ad infinitum. Ukraine's not a NATO ally, though, are they? They're not in NATO and they're not in the EU, um, although they probably will apply for membership soon or and they have tried to apply in the past and they were vetoed. I thought I, thought I read about that. Yeah, um, it's, it is a fascinating situation. What we're actually seeing, interesting enough, we've talked about the Cold War a lot on this podcast because John F. Kennedy was such a prolific part of the Cold War. And interestingly enough, what we're seeing is the results of the end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So we're 30 years removed from the, the like the end of the Cold War. And this is where we are. We are we, we, the last 30 years have been relatively peaceful because the, the sort of the powers that be were no longer thinking about each other in that way. And Russia was sort of brooding. But the reason that Russia invaded Ukraine is largely because they're seeking to restore a sort of a Eastern hegemony and return Russia to a to like a global a global stage. And, and Ukraine is an important part of that for them. It's just so sad and so tragic. It's terrible. Um, wow. You know, the, you know the, the great adage is that may you live in interesting times, but I think we're getting a little tired of interesting times, or maybe I am. I am too. And, uh, and so that's kind of where we're going to stop 
I think. I think we have more than enough for one episode um, oh, right yeah. now. Yeah, we're and, good. And I think that we're gonna we're gonna pick up when we come back next week on uh, that discussion of counter-communist wars of uh, liberation or wars of, um, you know, whatever. Be, uh, because we're gonna talk about South Vietnam and and the importance that South Vietnam played in McNamara's career and and again the connection to the Pentagon Papers, which is an episode that we are gonna do in the future, uh, but just not right now. Sounds good. Also, I'll give a little backstory to why these episodes are a little shorter than my normal prior episodes. I am headed out on vacation for a couple weeks, but I did not want you guys to not have any form of content coming from Kennedy Dynasty, and I knew that you guys love some two-part prior episodes, so um, that is why I, we are pre-recording these, and then they will come out while I am out of town. So, And uh, with that being said, prior, thanks for joining me for this part, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Come on and vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.